This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest, Jessica Stearns. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Well, before we find out what you're actually doing today, if you would, could you tell us what you want to be when you grew up? Absolutely. You know, it's funny enough, I wanted to be a fashion designer. So <laughs> unfortunately, that came at the, the risk or the abandonment of many of my parents' clothes as well as my own. So if I could bedazzle it or glitter it, it was, it was mine. I think it really boils down to I always wanted a creative outlet. I always looked for something that I could create and develop. So that's where all my dreams stem from. So when you were doing that, it sounds like you butchered and cut up some of your parents' clothing. <laughs> Is that correct? <laughs> Yeah, every once in a while. It didn't go over very well, but um, I had big dreams and they supported it. <laughs> now, did you ever find yourself accidentally forgetting to ask permission and you cut up your mom's favorite blouse or something? Oh, all the time. But the, oh. <laughs> the risk I took was I, I'm an only child, so there was no one else to blame. So they always knew who it was. That's funny. But Dazzler, <laughs> I haven't heard the word but Dazzler in a while. That's uh, totally yeah. retro. That's pretty cool. Oh, I know. I'm dating myself. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, now, what was one of your favorite subjects or hobbies while in school? Definitely anything art related. So, you know, sketching, drawing, painting. Again, I, I geared more towards the artistic creative elements and, and subjects where, you know, the math and the science were interesting, but wasn't something that I really gravitated towards. So definitely art. Oh, that's cool. Now, what was your first real job where you got a paycheck and had to fill out a W-2? I think the job that really shaped me was my time at Kraft Foods. So when it was Kraft Foods, um, I worked there for about uh, a little under nine, a little under 10 years, actually. Um, and for the majority of my career, I, I worked in the beverage division, but that showed me sort of the, you know, breaking down um, a lot of my functions that I had. I broke it down into a smallest part. So I started in logistics, I moved into manufacturing, and, and ultimately project management. So my first real job was was dealing with Kool-Aid and Capri Suns, all the, the childhood favorites that I enjoyed. So was that like right out of college, you were able to get a job at Kraft Foods? Yeah, um, well, it was a couple years after. I actually worked at a nonprofit for a little while while I was getting my MBA, and I started in logistics down in, in South Florida. So you mentioned a few of the brands for our our student listeners let me see if i can rattle off the other ones because i also worked on that brand back in the day so mm-hmm. kool-aid capri mm-hmm. sun mm-hmm. country time lemonade yeah yeah uh, crystal light on the go or crystal light yeah and i know i'm missing oh it used to be uh what was it fruit 2.0 that got sold to post maybe yeah, that, yep. Okay, I mean, did I miss any? Brand, no, I think you're you're good. You got the Pecan Kool-Aid, Crystal Light. Um, well, we did have Tang, so you missed one. Oh, Tang. Ah, I missed Tang. Yes, okay. <laughs> you missed one. That was actually, funny enough, that's actually one of the products that I referenced in my interview with Kraft because my grandfather used to sell Tang door-to-door in Miami. So it was oh, wow. one of those connection points. <laughs> that's interesting. Well, tell us. You kind of alluded to it a little bit, but what do you do today? So my official role is Director of Global Innovation Programs. So I am at a new company called ASR Group, um, and we're the largest sugar refiner in the world. So we have brands that you may understand, Domino, CNH, Redpath, Kate and Lyle, Lyle, Sedul. So a lot of, of, lot of 
sweet things going on in my world right now in innovation. Wow. Okay. I do recognize a few of those, obviously, Domino's. And are all of them some type of sweetener to be added to what, beverages? Or is it just in general sweeteners? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really the sweetener platform, not necessarily sugar, purely sugar. We do deal with high-intensity sweeteners. Now, do you do any syrups? Yes, we do. So that's our Tate and Lyle brand. If you go to your favorite coffee shop, you'll see that in back of uh, in back of the barista. You'll see them pumping um, some of the flavored syrups into your favorite coffees. So if I order like a triple cafe, I don't know the words, but I want three pumps of vanilla or three pumps of pumpkin spice, that could be your product? That could be my product. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so if you would, tell us, how did you kind of go from Capri Sun at the entry-level kind of job at Kraft Foods to Director of Global Innovation? Yeah, absolutely. I had a a unique trajectory in my career. I knew I always wanted to work at a, a really large CPG company, which is consumer packaged goods and craft was one of my top picks. So when I started with craft, I ended up working in logistics and that was really understanding how product gets from one location where we produce it to the, to the customers that sell it and ultimately to the consumers that enjoy it. I started in logistics, went to manufacturing, and while I was in manufacturing, I had the opportunity to really understand how we receive in packaging and ingredients and how we mix it and blend it and package it and we ship it across the country. So it was always these building blocks. And ultimately what that led to was a role in project management. So what my title now um, means is that I lead a group, a global group of project managers that take ideas that, you know, people are sitting around a table and thinking of the new cool products that we can make and figuring out and mapping out the full business plan to get it to market so that you can go to your local store, pick it off of the shelf, and bring it home and enjoy it. So I work in project management, and that was never the plan. Again, I wanted to be a fashion designer. Um, <laughs> so it was a little off the, a lot, um, off of my plan, but um, it's been one of the best journeys that I've, that I've ever taken. So What it really taught me is that I didn't want to be just one contributor or one member of the team. I wanted to be the one that was in the middle of it all, making sure that it happened in a really creative way, in a really strategic way. So project management is all about being sort of in the center of it all, or like I say, the hub that keeps the spokes together. So project management was never the plan, but it's definitely something I've fallen into and absolutely love just because I'm a part of a team. We're a part of creating something and really leading and delivering value to the company. Exciting stuff. Yeah. And and one of the things about this podcast is most folks, actually like 98% of them, their career trajectory does not go as planned. And it's different. So obviously you wanted to be a fashion designer and you went into product development. Was there a moment that you saw that transition or did it happen organically or kind of how did that, how did that happen? Sure. So um, again, it happened a little uniquely. I was out in California at the time when I was at the manufacturing facility. For my department, that was one of the things that I was tasked with doing is mapping out the plan, getting other functions involved and really seeing what we could do if we coordinated our efforts and expertise. So that's why I started to get a little bit of a taste for it. And then I knew that if I took my logistics experience and my manufacturing experience, I could get to headquarters and really leverage all of that. And, you know, it's funny, when when you're at the, the plant level, that's sort of like grassroots. You're always going, man, corporate's always asking for these things that we can never make happen. (laughs) And corporate's turtled around and going, oh, man, those manufacturing plants can never do it in time. 
And I wanted to take the opportunity to go, hey, listen, I know what it's like grassroots efforts, and I also know how to pull it all together. So I sought out opportunities to, to leverage and pull that expertise together. And I really built strong connections with people that were in different functions and could really start to see the value that I added. So it's a lot about building your political capital and knowing who to go to for expertise and, you know, showing that you're humble and showing the humility of going, hey, I don't know how to do this, but can you teach me? It, it happened organically, but in, in many ways, but in a lot of ways, it was my, my own gumption, my own work ethic, my own tenacity, if you will. Right, right. That's great. Well, and I know you can't talk about a product specifically, but could you talk to a little bit about the process you go through and what your typical work week is like? So my typical work week, as with any project manager, you know, you're, you're setting and scheduling, at, scheduling cross-functional team meetings. Um, you're sending out agendas. You're leading and facilitating those meetings, and you're making sure that your communication out about the project's progress is shared out with our cross-functional team. So that's a lot of what my team does. In terms of what I do, you know, yes, I do plan and lead some of the commercialization meetings, but the projects that I'm working on are a little bit more of a higher level, um, and they support the innovation pipeline. So it may not be stuff that you're going to see in your stores in, in two weeks. It's the stuff that you're going to see in two, three, four, or five years. So there's a building block that you have to establish in order to get from point A to, you know, to point B, which is launch. I monitor our global portfolio metrics, so I need to make sure that my team and our business is continuing to work on the right projects. It's making sure that you're able to tell a story with the data that you're getting. Last but not least, I mean, I'm, I'm currently in the process right now of really finalizing all the plans that I have for my team. So development is a major, major part of my focus for my group as well as for our business, but making sure that we have strong project managers on board. So the way to do that is making sure that my full team has a formal project management certification. So there's a lot that goes into that and a lot of preparation. So aside from the day-to-day -day of meetings and discussion notes and agendas and strategy meetings, there is an element to making sure that you're not only planning for your projects, you're planning for yourself and your self-development. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. And if you're an educator or a student, you can search for podcasts by Career Cluster. So Jessica, we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was a fashion designer and what you actually do today. Mm -hmm. So looking back, if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? What would I do differently? You know, it's funny. This whole process was really eye-opening and, you know, you go down memory lane. The one thing that I keep coming back to is I wish I had said more. I had said yes to more things that, that terrified me and scared me. You know, it's, it's funny in very different contexts. My dad used to tell me when I was a kid, do what you want, you're gonna anyway. And then, you know, <laughs> I started to think about that as I came into, you know, the professional version of myself. And when I, when I started to do that, I, I felt like I took control over my career. And I saw, I really did see the, the whole world differently. So, you know, in terms of what I do differently, I, you know, I, I get my PMP certification earlier. I would have maybe not postponed getting my MBA. There's a lot of things that give me a sense of accomplishment and achievement that I did later in life that I wish I had done sooner just to really put up some guardrails and, and not in a negative sense, but really just to give me that structure earlier on than, than later on. Because as you know, I mean, as as life unfolds, you know, you have different responsibilities and different constraints and your job gets tougher. 
So I really wish I would have said yes to some of the things that I was hesitant about or scared to do. Um, I wish I had done those earlier. Now, what was your dad saying again? Do what you want because you're going to do it do anyways? It. Yeah, oh yeah, all the time. I, it would be like, Dad, I'm going to do this. And he's like, listen, I'm not even going to tell you differently. Do what you want. You're going to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's a great one. I oh, like that. Yeah. Well, let's talk to the student who would like to do what you do. What advice would you give them? One of the things that, that I think allowed my trajectory to be a little unique was I, you know, I, I started to connect with people that I didn't really understand what they did. So in terms of a young, you know, not really a younger me, but in terms of folks that want to do what, what I do, figure out if you want to be a player, a coach, if you want to be involved in a team. You know, there's a lot of people that are really strong independently or they're really much stronger in a team format, in a team setup. But in terms of what what I would tell other people to do is just explore other opportunities, explore multiple disciplines, and take the opportunities to travel and volunteer and understand that there are so many opportunities that are out there for you now, um, much more than probably when you and I were starting out. Like, there's so many opportunities for you to take advantage of that the sooner that you expose yourself to more, the sooner you'll figure out your passion and the strength and you'll live the most extraordinary life. Yeah, that's really great advice. And that comes up a lot is just explore while you can, you know, don't focus so much on one study or one field. That's great advice. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of those things that typical young person is you're stubborn and you, you have your mindset on something and it's really healthy to be open to a little bit more. So there's some cool opportunities that you should take advantage of as soon as you can. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, you just took us on your career journey. And as with most journeys, success largely relies on reliable transportation. And we don't know each other, but I'm a huge car enthusiast. So could you tell me, what was your first car? Oh, so my first car, you're going to cringe. Um, it was a Pontiac <laughs> Sunfire. <laughs> wow. Was it at least a convertible? Oh, gosh, no. Gosh, no. no <laughs> not at all. Dad would not allow that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, a friend of mine had a Sunfire in college, but it was a convertible. So I do know the car you're talking about. Uh, to make it worse, I had two, actually. Oh, no. Well, I can top <laughs> so I that. I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I can top that. I had three Geo Metros. <laughs> oh, so. boy. Yeah, you win. You win. Yeah, I win. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, what is your dream car if you have one? Yeah, so um, my dream car is a little bit nostalgic. I would say a 64 Mustang. And the reason why is I probably wouldn't know about it, but my dad, when I was a kid, my dad built one from you know the ground up so I walked into the car shop and there was like a rusted out chassis and and I saw the end product and it was just this most the most beautiful car and obviously I love to see him create it but more importantly I enjoyed driving it when I was of age so um, I'd say a 64 convertible it was a beautiful car what color he did silver with red interior and a black oh black that's top. the perfect color combination for that car <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm a year from, almost a year from selling my 1966 convertible Mustang. So I'm still, I'm still mourning that. So anyways, one great perk to some jobs is a company car. So if I had all the money in the world, I'd like to buy you a cool company car based on your job as an innovator. So this one was a lot of fun for me. I basically Googled the most (laughs) innovative cars of all time. Now, a lot of them have already been on the podcast. I didn't want to do a repeat, but I picked you out probably the coolest one. 
So the car I picked for you is a 19... Actually, I don't know the year. But it's a Porsche 959. <laughs> <laughs> they made it in oh. the 80s. So it's like a 1986 Porsche 959. So this was the Porsche supercar of the era, but it was so innovative because it was the first supercar to have all-wheel drive. It was um, had this active hydraulic suspension. The ride height would change as needed. It also had like electronic tire pressure monitoring system. It was like the first one ever in a car. So it was extremely innovative it was like 10 years ahead of its time so if i had all the money in the world that's the car i would get for you as your cool company car oh okay and just as long as i can pick the color and bedazzle it and okay way. well <laughs> and bedazzle it yes and i will have it posted online and the one i picked for you is actually silver ironic oh okay you'll see that when this gets posted and i will send it to you as well so cool yeah well thank you so much for taking us on your career journey today what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you or your company sure um well you can find me on linkedin uh, so Jessica Stearns. And in terms of my current company, uh, we are at asr-group.com. So uh, check out what's happening in our iconic brands and the, the sweet world of, of sweeteners. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey today, Jessica. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.